Hey everyone, welcome to episode 15 of Misalign. Last week you heard an interview I did with Hazing, and we hope you enjoyed that little extra episode. I know it wasn't too long, but we're going to try to give you some more content this year since we only do episodes every other week. This week, though, as we mentioned in our last regular episode, where we will be talking about albums that turn 10. We have a couple that are older, you know, 20 years. We have one that's 40 years old this year, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But we're going to start off with some news. So, Megan, do you want to let us know what you'll be seeing soon? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. On Wednesday, I'm actually going to be seeing Jack's Mannequin's Everything in Transit 10-year tour. I'm very excited about that. I'm just hoping that DC will be fully or not fully relatively plowed out so I can get up there because we just got hit with the snowzilla. All the snow. Sounds awful. Oh yeah. We've got 20 (laughs) inches here. Parts of DC had like like, it's 70 degrees in Austin, Texas today. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's like like 63 in California. I don't know how y'all do it. (laughs) I mean, snow's not terrible. But I'm from Pennsylvania, so this is is nothing to me. Caitlin and I think very differently about that than you do. (laughs) There's a reason I live in Texas. There are so many horrible things about this state, but we don't have snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have to travel at least a few hours to get some snow up into the mountains and everything. So, you know, have to go to a completely different elevation for that. Um, All right. So what other tours did you guys want to talk about today? So I'm uh, excited and also bummed. The Wonder Years are finally going out on tour for their new album with a really interesting but pretty awesome lineup with um, Let Live. And then the guys from Tiding Moving Parts just got on it, got added on. And I was really, really excited until I looked at the stops. And I, I'm not that person who like bitches about like, oh, why aren't you coming to my town kind of thing. But they, uh, this tour is really interesting because they're trying to hit a lot of the more underserved markets. Right. Um, so they have like one Texas stop and it's like way, way out west. Um, and for those of you who don't know how big Texas is, I'm in Austin, like right in the middle of Texas and they're playing in Odessa which is on the west side of the state, and it takes about eight hours to get there just from the center of the state to the west side of the state. So definitely not going to be making that tour, um, but I'm hoping that they're going to have a great turnout and a lot of those smaller cities are going to get a really kick-ass tour. So I'm excited for all those bands, but bummed I won't get to check it out. Yeah, and we do have some unfortunate news this week. Sundressed just had their U-Haul trailer stolen in Utah, while yep. they're in the middle of touring. So like there's... the whole trailer, not like it was broken into, like yeah, it was pulled they just, off they just the back of their van. full-on took the trailer. Yep. <laughs> but I did hear that the guys have some insurance, so they'll be filing a claim. They've been making a list to file a police report. And the thing that sucks is it wasn't just their gear that was in there. Chase Hewlin, I believe is how you say his last name, he's also... On the tour, he's a solo artist, though, so, you know, he played with an acoustic guitar and had his merch, so then you have that on top of Sundressed having all of their stuff stolen as well, so that just, like, takes two bands out of the tour right away. 
That's awful. And there's so I mean, sundressed, super nice dudes, yeah. small, starting out tour wise mm-hmm. and stuff. It just it sucks. Yeah, I had just seen them on this tour as well, and it's like they were outside hanging out, talking to everyone doing their own merch and everything. It's like a very small tour production they have going on. So it's just a real bummer that they can't afford to keep touring now, even if they could borrow someone else's gear and whatnot. They still have to take care of getting their stuff back and everything. And it's kind of hard to do both at the same time. I will never understand why people take other people's gear on tour. It's just, it's mind-boggling. And for that, I mean, taking a whole U-Haul, like, there could be anything in that. There could be nothing in that. Like, whoever yeah, took it, it's they're, like, they're in exactly. have known there was band equipment in there, but you still, it's a little different when, you know, they're in the big passenger vans that have yeah. windows and you can clearly see what's in the vans, Yeah, which, in my opinion, if you know you have a van like that, you should probably have someone at least stand outside by the van or something, yeah. you know, like rotate who goes in and grabs food or something just so the van isn't by itself. And I mean, it's really sad that it's come to that, basically, that someone has to do that to basically ensure their stuff won't be stolen while they're on tour. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just unfortunate all around. So hopefully they'll get some help and insurance will take care of some of their some of their missing belongings. Yeah, I think they've already almost raised like a thousand dollars out awesome. of the eight thousand they're asking for, and they just put this up today. This say cool, that'll buy a drum set. Yeah, <laughs> today being Sunday, so they still have plenty of time, you know. But why don't we go ahead and move on to some other news, Megan? Do you have some matchbook romance news for us? I do, in fact, have some match romance news for us uh last night modern vinyl posted about the first ever pressing of voices they confirmed they being the band obviously they confirmed that the pressing is in process and it looks like it'll be printed in time for their february 13th show out at webster hall um it's coming through via epitaph and it looks like it's going to be an interesting year for them since they also have two 10-year anniversary shows scheduled in March. So that shouldn't be uh, terrible at all. Cool. I never really got into that album, so yeah. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) when I saw this the first thing... Well, it's always surprising to hear an album like that is getting a first pressing. I guess I forget that vinyl has not always been cool. Like, it's still kind of recent (laughs) that it's cool again, so it's always interesting to hear those kinds of announcements for an album. 10 years ago... Yeah, it's crazy. Ten years ago, CDs were still, like, people were buying CDs and not obsessing as much over MP3s as we do today or even over vinyl. Yeah, and vinyl definitely was not making its comeback that it currently is ten years ago. So going off that note, we will start to dig into some of our ten-year anniversary albums. So why don't we just go ahead and kick it off with a nice big pop album. (laughs) by the artist known as Beyonce. (laughs) B-Day turns 10 this year, and I know I'm excited for this one and would love to have a 10-year tour for this. I'm not sure if that will happen because, you know, artists like Beyonce don't really need to do 10-year tours. They could do them if they wanted to, but really, it's not going to matter to them either way. I would also (laughs) love to hear new music from her this year. As well, though, since it has been, what, since 2014 that yeah, her self-titled came out? Yeah. 
But been... you know, we can we can hope that on the Super Bowl, maybe she'll Ooh. do a little surprise thing with Coldplay and break out some songs from B Day. That might be the only reason I watched the Super Bowl this year because <laughs> the Packers lost. So <laughs> probably we'll just. Oh, well, at least your team made it to the playoffs. <laughs> so I totally. I I now love Beyonce, but. Like when that album came out, like that shit was not even on my radar. Like I did not, I did not become fully appreciative of modern day pop music until like three or four years ago. Because so I guess when like Beyonce this, is an acquired taste for it you. is, it is. And at the time though, like when this came out, two thousand six, that was my starting my senior year of high school. And that I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a hater about most things. Like I just hate stuff, but especially during that time I was kind of leaving the pop punk and punk phase moving into more of an indie rock phase on my part and I but I was still like anti-pop <laughs> all pop music sucks like I'm not listening to that and so I just I don't know I just never I never came around to it so I probably need to go back and give it a, a listen that was never given in the first place <laughs> I definitely recommend doing that will do it's a good album yes all right, Megan, do you want to kick us off with another album? Yes. Uh, let's see. I have a really big list because <laughs> 2006 was it, it was a weird year for me. So it spanned between my freshman and sophomore years of high school. And I mean, my music taste was all over the place. It ranged from pop music to hardcore to the Punk Go series. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of variety, but I'm going to kick it off with The Graduate from MC Lars because what what would be that comical year of 2006 without really funny, silly, crazy rock rap music in a way. <laughs> so technically, let's see, this album was released on iTunes in 2005, but its physical form came out in 2006. And The Graduate is the album that features the uh, timeless, timeless classic Hot Topic is not punk rock. This is something nice. I have no familiarity with. Same. same. Really? Purely, purely based on that title, I may have to go seek it out. No, <laughs> oh, never, my gosh. Have never heard an MC Lars song. So I, was, it was, I kind of chuckled when I saw that on your list earlier. You guys, you are you're so missing out. I mean, Hot Top and I not have punk rock. To do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it features the mashes, too. Talk about a throwback okay. band there. All right. Um, yeah. But yes, Hot Topic is not punk rock is still ingrained in my head 10 years later. Because, well, I mean, today it's definitely not punk rock at all. It's more like nerdcore. I definitely bought a Blink-182 album there not that long ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. little bit pop punk. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Here, here. I looked up some the lyrics for this just to make sure I don't flub it up on this podcast. But uh, yes, here we go. An example is beaded Elvis curtains are not punk rock. Talking lamb chop plush dolls are not punk rock. <laughs> Wow, poetry. <laughs> yeah, right. poetry. So Caitlin and I will give that a listen before next episode, and maybe we'll Put come back, give our thoughts on it. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Oh, man, it's awesome. Awesome. So speaking of things not being, you know, punk rock and whatnot, Caitlin, do you have any punk rock or pop punk albums for us? Uh, well, yes, and it's very appropriate because it's been talked about over the past few months. Um, this was kind of the tail end of my pop punk um, Set Your Goals came out with Mutiny, um, officially released. Um, they had kind of some demos that were out and stuff like that. And they released Mutiny in 2006. And 
that, I mean, you don't get any more pop punk than that Set Your Goals album. Later on, their albums were a lot more polished, um, definitely more pop. And this one was pretty raw, pretty fast. Um, and it was one of the first albums that, I don't know, like it was those shows that I felt old enough and strong enough to like be in those pits. And I just lost my shit every time I saw that band. And I still would. Currently, they have two 10-year shows lined up for this already. Um, and of course, they're in L.A. And right now. LA flights are not super cheap from Texas, so unfortunately mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to make it. But I'm hoping, holding out for a 10-year tour on that. Um, and that's the thing, like with a lot of these albums, I don't know if I really would want a 10-year tour or if, you know, um, you know, Modern Vinyl uh, posted that article about, you know, wanting reprints of different albums, represses. But I think a lot of this list that I have is more just like straight up appreciation for some albums that were really influential to me. But Set Your Goals is one band that they've been gone long enough that I would kill to see that 10-year show. I still know every word to that album. I'm only a little bit embarrassed of that. But definitely Set Your Goals is up there for my 2006 albums. Nice. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just get this one out of the way because I know it's probably not one either of you really care to talk about, but Taylor <laughs> Swift's very Ugh. first album, Ugh. her self-titled album, See, I don't turning I, 10 this year. I like Taylor Swift. I don't, you know, I really don't have anything against it. I just don't know that album well enough. Yeah, this is like her first album. She had written a bunch of Ugh. songs on her own, so it really didn't have those pop elements a lot of it was like acoustic based tracks Mm -hmm. and then you could tell a band kind of came in and gave it a fuller sound so it's not on the level of red or 1989 or anything like that so if you kind of want to look into how she got her start i would suggest listening to this if you're interested if you're not that is perfectly okay Country Taylor mean, Swift might not be for everyone. I mean, me it's being, cute. It's definitely cute. Ugh. I'll give her that. <laughs> me being the Debbie Downer over here, just I've never been able to tolerate her. I don't know. Even, <laughs> but part of that is because growing up in South Central Pennsylvania, she technically is from that area. Right. Maybe a little closer to Berks County with why I'm missing. So she was everywhere, and then everyone in my high school, or at least all the girls, were like, oh my god, this song's great. Oh my god, she knows what it's like to be a teenage girl. And I'm just like, this probably has to do with a lot of me being in my whole weird rock screaming sort of phase, too. Yeah, the whole, but... like, I hate anything popular. <laughs> yeah, it's the same shit, so. <laughs> well, well, we'll get into that in just a minute. <laughs> yeah, but my list has a few albums that were very huge and very popular so you know (laughs) there is that but Megan why don't you move on from Taylor Swift and let us know about something you do enjoy (laughs) yes actually I'm gonna take that right into a pop artist (laughs) so Underage Thinking by Teddy Geiger came out in 2006 and that was probably the outlier in a lot of what I listened to because he was this super and still is this like heartthrob with gorgeous blue eyes and just this singer-songwriter kind of vibe that was making all the girls fawn over him. So I did have a small, small little pop phase in high school. He fell into that. And I actually saw him in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for the first time. Like, that was my first concert with my best friend in 2006. It was, like, April 2006, something like that. But anyway, 
we saw him at the chameleon club with a bunch of screaming teenage girls and my dad took my best friend and I to see him and I was just so excited because A, it was my first concert. B, it was this absolutely chue 14-year-old girl. Actually, wait. No, I was 15 at the time. Oh, my God. It was just like, <laughs> oh, he's so cute. Look at him. And you know what? He didn't actually suck. His music was really, really good. And to this day, I will still break out underage thinking every once in a while when I feel the need for a pop break yeah teddy geiger is definitely a name i have not heard in a while yep so, <laughs> i don't even know if i remember a whole lot about this album but nope. never heard it <laughs> that does not surprise me i say Caitlin. well a singer songwriter i have a singer songwriter on mine too mine mine is um ben queller who i've talked about before because he's my boo <laughs> um this his third album came out in 2006 it was just a self-titled album in which i actually found a copy of that on vinyl very recently in the used section at one of my favorite record stores in austin and almost lost my shit uh but actually i'm trying to think 2006 i think was the first time i actually got to see ben queller live which is crazy because i'd been already been listening to him for like four years uh but his self-titled album is awesome a lot of people um his best you know and first album that everybody talks about is called Shasha. Um, and it's got the song on it that everybody knows about having sex and eating spaghetti. Um, that, that That's the one everybody always knows. But the self-titled one, and I'm a sucker. I've liked all of the albums. But it's got some really good stuff on there. And it's a lot more singer-songwritery and a lot more mellow um, than some of his other albums. So I would love to see Ben do a 10-year for that. Um, he plays a lot of... Austin shows, but hasn't lately. So I'm hoping maybe he'll he'll pull something out for us in Austin. He does live here, so I'm hoping that'll happen. So I do have some, I do have some singer songwriter um, spots in my heart as well. So I do understand. <laughs> nice. And one of my next ones is I think one that will be on a lot of people's lists. Brand new, the Devil and God are raging inside me. Yeah, I know yeah. a few oh, of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I figured... said, but at the time, I didn't even like it. So it's grown <laughs> on me. It only took 10 years to grow on me. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's all that matters. You like it now. <laughs> I do. I do. But Brand New has been teasing new music for how long now? A years. years. <laughs> and Billy. then they, they did those, you know, kind of one-off shows where they would play full albums all the way through, which I never got to see because when they were on the east coast i was in california and vice oh, versa right. because that's right my life <laughs> so i don't know if there's really much we should be expecting from brand new as far as you know a 10-year anniversary tour goes or anything for this they have yeah. been teasing new music more this year i think than most other years you know they have instagram pictures yada, oh yada, and they did uh, the the demos that came out before the devil and god was released um that were they, leaked they've yeah. you know they've put those out on cassette so honestly i liked the demos even more which i guess technically you know i never thought that i would hear those songs live or that they would perform them or anything so probably two times ago that i saw them when they started pulling those songs out like that that was good enough for me like if if i had to wait nine years to hear those songs that was fine but uh yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't see them coming through on that. And I don't even know about the the new music thing. Jesse just had a baby. 
Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I had a daughter. Him. I love him and I hate him. So <laughs> yeah, at this I'm point, I'm just kind of like, well, if something happens, that's cool. If not, it's, you know, it's not, not the surprising. end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not surprising. Yeah. But def- yeah. Definitely an important 10-year album for sure. It is. And I actually it's wrote- a lot of people's introduction, I think, to Brand New. Um, I have a cousin who's just about to turn 19, and that is her favorite album of all times. And that was the, you know, her first brand new album. Um, so I guess for the younger crowd, like that's, I think, a lot of where people started. Um, if you weren't, you know, in middle school or high school when, you know, freaking my fa- your favorite weapon came out, then I can see how an album that sounds a lot more mature is going to be a lot more interesting, especially in 2006. So I can yeah. definitely see. A lot of people. I mean, shit. I'm trying to think. I was in middle school when Deja and Tondu came out. And that was basically my gateway brand new album. But there was something about the devil and God raging that just got me hooked to the point where it's become one of the essential albums in my whole history of like albums that make me feel better, weirdly enough. Like I, it's important enough to me that I wrote my 10 year, wow, not 10 year. I wrote my thanks spinning piece it would help if i could talk today for modern vinyl in 2015 cool nice so what else is on your list megan i know you your list is probably as long as mine and caitlin's combined so why don't you go ahead and go ahead and go through a couple right here i'm i'm definitely looking at it like i'll just briefly touch on the ones that i haven't that i know i won't talk a lot about but like Band of Horses, Everything All the Time was out in 2006. The Troubled Stateside by Crime and Stereo was out that year. And they are teasing, possibly touring this year. So I'm hoping, hoping that they do something for the Troubled Stateside because that's a great album. Uh, going through here, let's see. Oh, yes. Eyes Open by Snow Patrol. And then we get into the era of the Punk Goes albums that was not terrible. So back in the day, 10 years ago, Punk Goes 90s came out. I vaguely remember that one. The one I got into was Punk Goes Acoustic, and I think that came out. Yeah, that was a couple of years before the 90s one. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but Punk Goes 90s, oh, that was such a good album. And that features Cartel's version of Wonderwall, which, (laughs) weirdly enough, enough, that version of Wonderwall does not, in fact, feature, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, does not feature white guy on acoustic guitar saying anyway here's wonderwall i'm pretty sure it's with a lot of piano accompaniment instead okay so i'm looking at the listing for this punk goes 90 right 90s right now and it is i definitely i don't remember listening to this really I really don't no i don't and i oh uh, i don't know i don't know some of these bands who is 18 visions you know what so they thing. say interesting Actually, that was a good cover if I'm thinking of that one. But <laughs> it's in blue. They yeah. always featured some weird, weird artists on top of the pretty mainstream, well-known artists in the scene. It's interesting. Because the May version of March of the Pigs is so uncharacteristic for May. Like, when you think of May, it's nice and quiet and relaxing. And then they do a Nine Inch Nails cover, and it's just in-your-face rocking. That's yeah. I see. I would. I would be interested in that. I was a big May fan, so I may have to check this out. Yeah, it's it, it's probably one of the better 
punk goes albums that's out there because for some um, reason i was thinking of the 90s cover album i i love is the four year strong one. Oh yeah and that's that what i was good. thinking of when i saw that so i, I had definitely had those two confused so we'll add that to my list as well i just <laughs> have like a huge list now of all the shit i just missed yeah, yeah. I think uh, Megan is giving us a run for our money and we have some work to do. (laughs) I mean, I went through my iPod and looked at the albums that came out that year. So there's that. I think I was just more um, narrow, I think, in what I was listening to at the time. And because my list of the 10 year albums, one, two, three, four, five, eight, it's eight albums. Um, And all eight of them are like, to this day, really important albums I still listen to. Um, but I think at the time I was just, I had a really narrow vision of what I liked and what I wanted to listen to. And that's what I listened to. And I guess heading into college, it was, I started to chill out a little bit more. It was, um, I was listening to Ratatat that year classics came out and that was some of the first like kind of electronic instrumental music that I listened to. And I almost wore that. I actually did have that on vinyl. Um, I almost wore that out. Um, Portugal the Man, which is still one of my favorite bands, came out with Waiter You Vultures that year, and that album still kills. They play a few of those songs every now and then on tour, and I just, I love it. It's so good. And I remember first seeing them on Zanga, because I was very active on Zanga for about seven or eight oh years. Oh my god. And Portugal the Man was all over Zanga. Had a bunch of friends. Um, we, I don't know, we got, we were kind of early on the Portugal the Man train, um, one of my friends in high school, his cousin is the bassist Zach in the band. So we kind of hopped on that train early. So there was a lot of that going on. Mates of State, still one of my favorite bands. They came out with their album, Bring It Back, that year. Gatsby's American Dream had their self-titled album, um, which I surprisingly loved. I was really not sure I was going to like that. Um, and actually, I think my Modern Vinyl had that on their list of albums yep. I'd like to see repressed, which yep. I 100% agree, because I would love to own that on vinyl, and I do not. So, I don't know. I just had a very narrow, like, all of these albums make sense together, except for Set Your Goals. Set Your Goals doesn't quite make sense. Oh, and Deanna, we didn't talk about uh, Taking Back Sunday yet. No, we can we can definitely do that though because Lana yes. Now came out in two thousand six, and I think that's one that all three of us are definitely familiar with. Oh Plus, yes, yeah. So, I mean, Taking Back Sunday has been known to do ten year tours before, as they did with Tell All Your Friends. Yeah. So who knows awesome. what we will get this year. And I was—I remember when Louder Now came out, I was not sure. Like, I was like, oh, I'm an old school fan. Like, I've been <laughs> listening to them for four years already. What's this new shit? Album number three. And then I was like, oh, my God, I love it. It was awesome. They did, um, they did a, actually, when I, the first time I saw them play any songs from that album was, like, a free show at a college kind of thing, which is crazy to think about that that was 10 years ago. That would never happen. Um, and it was great. They would, I guess it. I don't know if they were doing like a college tour or if they were touring for Louder Now or what, but I still have some pictures from that show and they've got the Louder Now banner up and those songs are still pretty great. They hold up. Um, they really do. I would be all over a 10 year tour for that. So. Yeah, Although I, I mean, never pass up a chance to see that band. So Yeah, I think this was really one of my first introductions to the band because I was in what, sixth or seven, maybe seventh grade, eighth mm-hmm. grade in 2006. <laughs> so you know their music videos were all over mtv at the time especially for you know make damn sure and liar yeah. and i think 
this really is the album that got me into the band. And then I went back, listened to Tell All Your Friends, kind of listened to everything else they've released since. And this really just kind of triggered me really, really enjoying this band. So I think it would be pretty cool if they did do a 10-year tour for this album as well. Yeah, I would be down for sure. And actually, you know what? I don't think I have, I don't have that album on vinyl. I would not mind having that either. So maybe the, a reprint would be good for that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do we, so we each have an older album. Do you guys each want to talk about one of those? You can kick us off if you'd like. Yay! I've been waiting for this. So, <laughs> or 1996, taking it back 20 years, Weezer came out with Pinkerton, which everybody fucking hated. Now, <laughs> I was turning eight when that album came out, and I was very lucky that my mom was relatively hip and listened to good music, and so we did. We were a Weezer listening family. Um, you know, the Blue Albums is one of my all-time favorite albums, one of the first albums I remember listening to that wasn't, like, bullshit kids music or the Rolling Stones. So Pinkerton, definitely, I remember hearing some of the songs when it came out, um, and it, like everybody else, I just kind of kept listening to the Blue Album and went on my way. Uh, but over the past 10 years, that album is probably one of my favorites. It has the ha- a handful of my favorite Weezer songs on it. Um, I was really lucky to get to see them play it in full um, back in 2009, 10, something like that in Austin. And I've, since then, I've seen different bands cover that album. A good uh, band that's a good friend of mine, they did a, a Pinkerton show. Um, and I think it just really resonates with a lot of people more. And I mean, Weezer just came out with another new album, and I'm sure it's terrible, just like they typically are. Um, <laughs> and they're going on tour with freaking Panic at the Disco. But I'm hoping that they'll do, they'll give Pinkerton a little love. Um, I know it got a lot of shit 20 years ago, but I think people have definitely come around to it. And especially the college crowd. I don't know. I feel like that's a really good album that people can relate to in their early 20s and stuff. So if you haven't given Pinkerton a listen lately, please do. I would love a repress of that. Um, That is an album that is hard to find. They have the original um, master recordings copy of that album out but it's also like $50 which I don't want to pay for (laughs) um so definitely a reprint on that would be awesome definitely and speaking oh yeah and speaking of 20 years this year is the 20 year anniversary of Rent the Broadway musical that's crazy I love Rent it's the only musical I like (laughs) (laughs) I hate all musicals except Rent I mean, have you heard Hamilton, though? That one's really good. Yeah, I mean, I get it. No, I don't want to get into this. People get really <laughs> mad at me about it. I just have a weird thing against musical theater, but something about Rent, I, I get that. I'm, I'm, in, I mean, I'm on board. It's, it's iconic. And I actually have, there's a friend of my family's that's in New York City this weekend, and he said he was seeing the 20-year anniversary cast thing oh, up cool. at Broadway Con. So he talked about that last weekend, and I just sat there and looked at him all enviously. And was like, oh, I wish I was you. I wish I had your life. I wish I could do that. But it's, I mean, it, it's so iconic. It has, it's had such an impact on everyone from, I don't know. Wow, I just completely lost my train of thought. But it, it's had that impact. I remember in high school, yes, in high school, um, my chorus did Seasons of Love. Nice. 
Yeah, so hearing a high school chorus do Seasons of Love from a very, very deep musical. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, there's a lot of talent that I went to high school with, so it didn't totally suck. It didn't suck. Yeah, that's good. No, it was a, <laughs> I feel it was like a that would be good version. Really easy to butcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you both had 20-year albums, and I'm basically going to double that and mention a 40-year one. <laughs> the Ramones' self-titled album came out in 1976. So before any of us were born, so we can stop feeling old now. <laughs> but really love, you know, the Ramones, the Clash, and those older punk bands. So I think this is going to be a really cool thing to be celebrated this year. And obviously, you know, we won't be getting a tour or anything for it because that would be impossible. But I think it's definitely an album. Give a listen to it if you have time kind of go appreciate where a bunch of these bands that we've mentioned today kind of got their influences from, especially any that are in the punk, pop-punk world. So that kind of covers our older albums, but why don't we go ahead and just switch it up a bit and just kind of list off what we have in the rest of our list. I know Megan has a lot, but... Yes. <laughs> bear, bear with us here, because I think we have a lot of albums that definitely deserve to at least be mentioned. I know personally I have The Black Parade by My Chemical Romance on this list, and that was a huge album for them. Coming Home by Newfound Glory, another big album for the band. And in case anyone has forgotten, Cute Is What We Aim For was around in 2006, and they had Mm -hmm. the same old blood rush with a new touch. (laughs) So I know Megan also seconded that one. (laughs) Oh yeah, and my boy, my boyfriend from high school would second that one too. <laughs> yeah, and the last one I had on my list was Justin Timberlake's Future Sex Love Sounds, which was right. his second album as a solo artist, and he had so many collaborations on that album; it was insane. It's but still it was so still, good today. Yeah, it was. It's really fun to listen to. I'm not gonna lie; I have his entire solo discography on vinyl. I mean, it's only four albums, but whatever. <laughs> It's still more than me. Same <laughs> here. My four albums. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Megan, why don't you run us through the rest of your pretty long list? Yes. I know that there are some on here that we will be probably talking about shortly, so I'll kind of skip over those. But 2006 was also the year that Fueled by Ramen was really, really starting to hit its peak, and that was with Lake Vines by The Hush Sound. Uh, if I remember correctly, while the city... He Sleeps, We Rule the Streets by Cobra Starship was on their roster, too. And if anyone that knows me knows my love of the Hush sound is very strong. Greta's voice gets to me every time. But, I mean, there's a lot of female-fronted artists on here, too. Like, Regina Spector's Begin to Hope is 10 this year. That covers it with the female-fronted ones that I'm going to glance over. (laughs) But uh, Define the Great Line by Under Oath is on this list. The Things We Carry by Have Heart. Uh, These Streets by an artist named Paolo Nutini, who's... Yes, Paolo. Yes. What an exotic, beautiful man. Um, <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Is, <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see what else is here. Zombies, Aliens, Vampires, Dinosaurs by Hello Goodbye. Just fun classic right there. Eat, Sleep, Repeat by Copeland. The Crane Wife by The Decemberists. And, oh, Dog Problems. I cannot forget Dog Problems on here. Because that is probably my favorite format album of all time. Yeah. Actually, I kind of hope they do a 10-year thing for 
dog problems. It's wishful thinking, but <laughs> Nate's solo really stuff cool. isn't really really doing anything right now. If yeah, they what do are it, any of them doing right now? I'm not even sure. No. Fun's not even doing anything because Jack's off doing his thing with Lena Dunham and with Bleachers. Right. So there's hope. There's <laughs> definitely hope. But I kind of forgot about the Eat, Sleep, Repeat by Copeland came out that year. That was like the peak of my, my Christian thing that I had going. I was real into Copeland. I loved that album. I have not visited that in a while. I remember I listened to it to go to sleep a lot. It was real <laughs> chill. That song about um, the airplane song. Yes. Oh, God, that song was so good. Oh, I need to listen to that. I'm putting that on my list too. I hope I still have it in iTunes. That was a good album. It was. And then I know Deanna mentioned something earlier about... She sent me a message. She's like, I forgot that John Mayer's Continuum came out and Amy Winehouse's Back to Black came out. Yes, I adore both of those albums yes. so much. Continuum think- is like, I don't know if I can call it my favorite John Mayer album, but it's pretty darn close because he has a lot of good music. And I mainly like his older stuff more. You know, the last couple albums weren't quite as big as Continuum. And some of the singles he had prior to that album. But this Continuum's an album I could just listen to all the time. And I have a nice vinyl copy of it. It's a double album and it's like an all-white cover. So half the time I'm like, what is this? And then I remember, I'm like, oh, if you like turn it in the light, you can like see his face and everything kind of embossed on the cover. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's just one that will never get old. Yeah. And I mean, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room is still probably one of my favorite John Mayer songs of all time, too. Yeah, that's how I feel about Vultures. And then with the Amy Winehouse thing, I wish with all of my heart that she was still around. Yeah. Um, Because in my head, I'm just like, you know, I wonder if she would ever do a duet with Adele because that would just be... Flat me flat on the ground. I think that would break the UK. It would (laughs) would would break the UK. It would be so beautiful. But her legacy, just between the uh, soulful, soulful crooning and her very, very classic winged eyeliner. Yes, which I've still never been able to reproduce. (laughs) Can anyone? Nope, nope. Probably Probably try. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's just yeah. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, so 2006, clearly a lot of huge albums came out, especially for pop music. But, Caitlin, is there anything else left on I your say, list? I, I pretty much covered most of my 2006 list just because it was only a handful. But I saw a few 20-year albums. Um, Hanson's Mbop came out in 1996, <laughs> which definitely changed my little 8-year-old life. I was very into Hanson. You know, I never got to see them live, though. Um, my mom would not let me leave school to go to the mall and see their mall <laughs> show. So thanks, mom. Wow. Um, and then and on a complete 180 from that, um, Anti-Flag's Die for the Government came out in 1996, yes. which I fucking love that band. Um, I love that album. I was not listening to that in 1996. <laughs> um, but over the past like five or six years, I've really gotten into that band. And when I saw the Die for the Government came out in 1996, I was like, it kind of upped my respect for them. Um, I have a lot of respect for that band in general. Um, but I didn't realize, you know, that they had really been doing that for so long. Um, so tip of the hat to them. I think they are doing something, whether it's a tour 
or some, they're doing something special for that album. I think it might be a tour. Um, and then Beck's Odelay also came out in 1996. And that was something that I was listening to around that time. Um, again, thanks to my mom for opening me up to the world of Beck and Weezer and all that kind of indie alt rock at the time. So that that rounds out my list. So actually, it's funny. I had four 20-year albums and only eight 10-year albums. So uh, it's just it's a heavy year of music. It's a lot of good stuff. And I think that we had a really varied list, um, minus mine. I feel like mine was pretty well pigeonholed. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's just really cool to see how many albums actually came out that year and how many that you, you forget about and then the ones you don't forget about. Um, so I definitely, I have my work cut out for me as far as listening goes. So I appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad that y'all could remind me of the things <laughs> I, uh, I had maybe intentionally washed out of my mind or just never got around to. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and head into recommendations. Caitlin, you have a couple things. Yeah. You want to just so, yeah, a couple. Um, <laughs> I am always, always, always behind the times on anything social media, which is funny because I love social media, but I am just really bad about hopping on the bandwagon when it's time. I just recently got the Instagram attachment, Boomerang. Um, okay. And if you haven't tried it out yet, it's really fun. Um, I've only used it with my cat so far uh but it, i mean it's basically it's just a gif um but i really like the way that they've kind of integrated it into instagram um i love instagram and i'm on it all the time if you want to add me i'm yo soy caitlin um but i highly recommend that it's a really cool little add-on um and my other recommendation is living in texas where it's 70 degrees and not snowing so <laughs> you guys should try that so funny You're i wore so a t-shirt funny. i wore a t-shirt today it was great <laughs> Meanwhile, so go I got ahead, all decked out in. <laughs> yeah, see, this weekend I got decked out in my snow pants and my heavy winter gear, and was just a five-year-old in the snow because snow is wonderful, and I could never live somewhere where it does not snow. But my recommendation this week is Creamery Ice Cream from Penn State University. Little biased here because I did go there. I spent many times at the Creamery enjoying their wonderful, stupidly huge milkshakes, and. It makes a really good blizzard food. So for the longest time, um, you actually had to trek up to State College on top of a mountain in the middle of Pennsylvania just for this ice cream because they did not ship it anywhere. And they can't even sell it outside of the state of Pennsylvania unless it's like a super special um, permit or something because it's kind of sort of not good for you. It's very fattening. It's all ice cream's fattening. I mean, come on. Uh, This is this is like hardcore. Uh, Well, okay. Ben and Jerry took an ice cream making course at Penn State forever and a day ago at the Creamery. So you know, there's that. But uh, (laughs) yes, it was announced last year that they would actually start delivering the ice cream to your front door if you live in the continental United States. And uh, alumni, wow, what would be the plural? Alums of Penn State everywhere rejoiced because this ice cream is so, so good. Um, I mean, they ship it to you with dry ice and everything so it doesn't oh. melt. It, it's great. So we, my so family good. got... Oh, shit. Yeah. So if you go to the Berkey Creamery's website, they have a listing of all the flavors. And some of them are seasonal, which is kind of a bummer. But they've got some pretty standard flavors. Like Peachy Paterno is their peach ice cream. And named after the former football coach, Joe Paterno. And that ice cream is so, so 
good. <laughs> like you would think peaches are a summer food, but they have it year round and it just, it makes everything better. But uh, for my blizzard yesterday, this weekend, I had the WPSU creamery, no, the WPSU coffee break ice cream. And it's just coffee ice cream with chocolate chips and some chocolate chunks in it. And it is so, so good. Yeah, just, I'm looking ugh. at all the menu right now. God damn it. <laughs> I think Caitlin and I are going to yeah. frantically order ice cream right mm-hmm. after this is over. And we have, um, we have oh, some and- hello good ice cream in Austin, but this looks awesome awesome yeah texas is bluebell bluebell is great no fuck bluebell i don't have (laughs) no uh amy's ice cream amy's ice cream here in austin is top notch bluebell eh. and we only have like three flavors right now anyway after the whole fiasco so but they do they i mean they make it like an hour away from here but yeah bluebell yeah but amy's ice cream's where it's at so if you ever get to austin come and eat some amy's but this uh looks like it might give amy's a run for her money yeah chocolate um, pretzel crunch that Holy is good shit. Eggnog. that is good mm, horchata oh, oh yeah oh okay they're, well they're, hey, i'm just gonna i'll be right back, back. <laughs> yeah their chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream by the way is amazing it's probably better than ben and jerry's um but it's like an actual cookie dough ice cream with the cookie dough chunks in it and it's oh, it's heaven I think Caitlin is currently making a fort of ice cream in her house. <laughs> I'm getting real watery in the salivas. Well, then I will go ahead and wrap this up so Caitlin can go <laughs> order some ice cream. Um, I only have a couple recommendations this week. I've been reading My Fight, Your Fight by Ronda Rousey. It seems pretty early for her to have written a book at this point in her career, but I think it really sheds a lot of light on how she grew up with judo and everything, kind of what she went through. It was a core focus for her for so long. But now that she's a household name, you know, she's finally able to break out and do other things. So I think it'll definitely be interesting to see if she does a follow-up book later in her career because, you know, she's made comments about wanting to be in movies and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Like I mentioned, I'm in the middle of reading it, so I don't quite know how it ends just yet. But it's definitely been an interesting read. And it's a fairly easy read, too, if you don't want something too dense or anything. And kind of going off that, since I don't have a job at the moment, I've had plenty of time to read and listen to podcasts. I've been using the app Instapaper a lot. So basically what you do is you can save articles from websites and whatnot, save them to read later in Instapaper and you can sort them. I have some folders for various topics. So like I have tech articles in one folder, sports in another, and it presents it in a really nice view to just sit there and read. It's really great, especially if you have like an iPad that you can use it with and just focus on the articles. So if you're big on reading, definitely check out both of those things. And we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As usual, it will be up on Thursday. We've been recording on Sunday. So by the time you hear this, Megan will have already gone to her Everything in Transit tour. But we will definitely have to follow up on that later and see how it went. I will probably be an inconsolable mess on Thursday. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening and enjoy the rest of your day.